Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good. First of all, good, Ken. You look great. You look like you're cleaned up a little bit. You're always clean, but you groomed up a little extra there for Memorial Day weekend with your hair trimmed up. You brought your barber. You didn't have to fly him in. You got him, you got him close by now um, in Tennessee. Yeah. But um, first of all, two things. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. That's our theme. That's our mantra. We have to keep at it. We have to keep at it with our great fans. But even more important at this moment, being the weekend that it is, Memorial Day weekend, our veterans. Uh, happy Memorial Day to everybody out there. And um, we'll, you know, yeah, here we are. We're working on Memorial Day. This is Memorial Day. This is Monday. This will be up Tuesday. We, we tape on Monday. We go up on Tuesday. But while you guys are having hot dogs and hamburgers and ribs, um... And whatever beverages you choose to have, nice and cold, hopefully, yeah, we're out here making sure that we make the donuts, so to speak, that we are putting another show forward for your consumption tomorrow, whether at work, whether on your way to work, whether when you get home from work, whether you're not working, whatever the heck you're doing or not doing, we're there for you. The bottom line. And listen, I'm teasing you. We're still going to have our share of hot dogs and hamburger. We're doing it a little early today, okay? Full transparency. But um, we're still going to, you know, we're still going to be gorging ourselves uh, with, with some of the good food that uh, people in this great country are privileged to have on this day of memorial for the people that gave us this, that made it possible for us to have any day, much less this day. And um, so the only thing we ask in return is what you're giving us already, that you're there, you care about the show, we'll keep caring. You watch the show, we'll keep delivering, whether it's Memorial Day, whatever day it is. We're like the post office, you know, whether gloom or night, whether, whether the weather's bad, rain, sleet, snow, whatever, we will deliver. Again, we just ask you to subscribe, get your friends to subscribe, build it up. We're getting close to 300,000 subscribers. I, I want a million. I, I don't think that's, that's a lot, but I don't think it's too much to ask. I, I want if you believe in what we're doing, then we will continue, as I said, to do it. And give us, you know, give us that support. Give us, continue to watch, but continue to spread the word. And I wanted to, before we move on to business, um, I wanted to say something about the people that we remember today. Uh, just take a minute, you know, to thank our military men and women President past, who without, we wouldn't have what we have, as you just talked about, in this great country. We wouldn't have the teachers who teach, or the coaches who inspire, or the doctors who heal, or the scientists who cure, or the activists who brought freedom, or the athletes who amaze us and made the impossible possible in our minds with some of the things they've done, or the parents 
who brought new hope into the world. And for all these wonderful people and all that has been done, none of it would be possible without our military veterans. So thank every one of you, past and present. Uh, God bless you. God bless this country. And, you know, there's a big game tonight. Uh, you know, I think we may have awakened a sleeping dog. We talked about it. We were a little bit in, in jest last week with Ken. You know, I was busting his chops, you know, that the Boston Celtics were down three games to nothing. And lo and behold, lo and behold, maybe we did. Maybe we did awaken a, a dog because they're barking. They're howling. They're growling a little bit. They're back three games even. They tied it up the other night, and they have a chance to make history. You know, the first time in NBA history that a team came back from three down three to nothing to tie it and then win to see if they win tonight. And you know what? My money would have to be on the Celtics tonight, Ken, because after coming back three nothing, right? And you got to be, I mean, Miami's got to be a, a little bit, a little, the spirit has to be dampened. And I'm using a very mild term. And then to go back for the final game to Boston Garden. I mean, the only thing that would make it tougher for the Heat would be if it was in the old Boston, <laughs> in the old <laughs> Boston Garden with the parquet floors. Because the ghost, the ghost. I mean, Bill Russell, John Havlicek, Larry Bird. I mean, all of them, the ghosts, would would come out and probably make it completely impossible. But I would be shocked if the Miami Heat could get it done. It should be a good game. You know, uh, listen, it's a treat for you that they're alive in this game i before you get cocky if they do win i remind oh, you uh, i remind you the bruins okay that's enough i said i i think <laughs> I, I, I i that's enough but good luck uh <laughs> good luck uh not that we're not with that we're not caring about the miami heat fans but ken's Ken's the Boston man. His his kids are big Boston Celtic fans. They went to a game during the year. They had all their green apparel on, the the glasses. The I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was pretty good. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, the um, I read somewhere that the 2004 most of the 2004 Red Sox team was going to be there. That was down 3-0 to uh, the Yankees. Came that back makes and beat sense. them and won the World Series. But they're saying uh, this obviously will be the first time if they win, if they can win. But it's the they will, someone will come back from 3-0 in the NBA. The Red Sox did it in baseball. The Patriots came back 28-3 at halftime to win the Super Bowl. And now they're talking Celtics. If they can win tonight, they'll be the first team. But they're also the first team that's come back to win three and then host the Game 7. That makes a difference. That, that could, yeah. right there, that could be, that's, hey, look. That's why you play the, all those 82 games or whatever the hell it is in that season that seems like it's ridiculously long. That like, what, what are the, the games are meaningless, it seems like, in November. Yep. But this is where they're meaningful because if you got that top you know, spot, I think they were number two overall with the record, yep. then you earn the home court advantages. This is where it pays off. This is where you... you care about winning those games uh, early in the season that 
sometimes people say, hey, it doesn't matter. We got 70 more to go, you know, and all that stuff. But it should be interesting. And before we get to the fights, we had a couple good fights over the weekend. So we got a lot to report on. But before we get to it, again, I touched on it. I want to keep the mantra. I want to keep the pressure on. I want to keep the theme. You know, mad as hell, ain't going to take it no more. If, if you needed a reminder, there was a fight in England. If you needed a reminder, which I hope you don't after all these years, that we must not let up on this mission to get a National Boxing Commission to end the inequities and injustices in the sport. Well, Ken, we didn't have to wait. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but we didn't have to wait long for the next incident. It's every week. It seems that something wrong and unexplainable happens. Here's the latest that a national commission would fix. A WBO world title fight at cruiserweight between Chris William Smith uh, and Lawrence O'Coley. O'Coley had the title. Uh, Smith knocked down O'Coley, who was the champion, Three times, all in separate rounds. I know, Ken. It's it's uh, even when you hear it again, it's it's hard to believe. And in two other rounds, Acoli had a point deducted for holding. So now, hearing this for the first time, fans out there, if you haven't heard it already, you would think that okay, Ted, he lost his title either by knockout or by unanimous decision. Well, you'd be wrong. Because while two judges did get it right, thank goodness, and they had it big for Smith with the scores of 116-107-115-108, the other judge had it, <laughs> yeah, Ken, had, I mean, you either laugh or you cry. They had, unfortunately, a lot of fighters have been crying over the years because it, it devastates their career. But, yeah, and a lot of fans too. But the other judge had it even at 112, 112. That judge, and we're putting a name out there. I don't know why it's not out there even more. Benjamin Rodriguez, okay? Beware. He, beware. He's dangerous. Beware. He shouldn't be working again. Anyway, no one can explain how he got assigned. Listen to this, Ken, because I went a little deeper. Nobody could explain how he got assigned to a world title fight. You know, that's supposed to be a privilege. I mean, you get to do a world title. You must have earned it. You must have been around 100 years or whatever, at least a few years. Well, nobody can understand how he got assigned to this as a judge when he's only done 43 fights in his entire career. Now, some of the websites, some of the, some of the mediums out there publications are starting to wake up a little bit and back us with this thing a little bit. They're, they're starting, you know, the genuine ones, the ones that aren't completely floated by promoters' money, quite frankly, you know, by advertising money from the promotion or from the raking, rank, rating organ. But let me just finish this, and then you you take over. His box, the website Boxing Scene called the 112-112 score, Ken, criminal, which, if you take it further, it would suggest 
That suggests that a crime had occurred. And in that case, it should be investigated and then acted on. Unfortunately, like all these crazy, unexplainable acts by judges and referees in this sport, nothing will be done to this judge. He'll be working again, looking to destroy someone's career. That's why we must keep the pressure on. Continue to sign up petition. Rob's got it up there. Continue to sign up petition for a national commission so judges like this, they never pick up a pencil again at a fight at ringside. You know, he'll be sent packing, looking for some different line of work, like maybe, I don't know, pickpocketing or, or selling yesterday's selling yesterday's newspapers. I don't think there's a big market for that, but whatever. As long as he's out of the sport so he can't potentially damage any more careers. Ken, the floor is yours. <laughs> I was going to say, you know where that judge will go? He'll go to the next uh, political hack job, like a, a, a political no-show job. Hey, you're the head of XYZ Road Crew. By the way, when you get your paycheck, drop off half to me. Okay. <laughs> You and, and we can joke about it, but that actually happened to the sheriff who was in charge when I worked in the prison back in the day of Middlesex County. Sheriff John McGonagall was hiring people for jobs, you know, 50, 60,000. Hey, you got this job. Oh, great. What do I have to do? Nothing. Just when you get your paycheck, make sure I get half the money. Oh, okay. It sounds like it sounds kind of very familiar to Don King and his son, his stepson, Carl mm -hmm. King. Very similar. <laughs> wow. Gee, they who learned from who? I guess, hey, listen, I guess as long as it's human nature in some ways, bad human nature, but human nature, that if people, if you make it easy without, as we talk about in boxing, oversight, right? Accountability. If you make it easy for people to do what's convenient and best for themselves and make more money, they're going to do it. That's why we have to have a national commission. One other thing. Um, Again, tonight is the big game. I'm sure everybody's going to be watching the Celtics and Miami Heat. And then tomorrow, while, we're, while this is up, uh, obviously we'll know who won by then. But tomorrow happens to be another very special day, Ken. It's my son, Teddy Third. It's his 38th birthday. So I'd like to wish my son, he flew in from Vegas, him and his wife and our grandson, his son, Teddy the Fourth. They <laughs> a lot of Teddies over there uh, right now in the house, full of Teddies. Uh, we, a lot of the boxing commissions wouldn't want to be in this house right now, put it that way. Uh, <laughs> but it's his birthday tomorrow. He flew in to be with us. Uh, happy birthday to, to one of my favorite people in the whole world. I only have a few of them. <laughs> But um. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, Teddy! Um, to the um, with regards to the uh, petition, I don't think you're going to get a lot of um, journalists that are going to support because obviously this isn't something that the, uh, I would imagine that most promoters and um, oh, they don't want it. Are going to want to see, right? Exactly. But so, we're getting some, Ken. We're getting is, support. If you're a journalist on a mainstream uh, boxing publication and you want to go to the fights, well, those. Fight those press credentials have to get approved every week for the fans who don't know. And uh, if you do something that they don't like, you may not be on the approved list oh, going yeah. forward. So there's not going to be the whole the whole system is flawed. 
But I digress, we could talk about that forever, all the conflicts of interest. But no one should object to having an oversight committee that that, that oversees these judges. Teddy, I think some of these judges, you we, you just joked, the guys only had 40 fight, 45 fights. But fight let me just interject would, one thing. The honest journalists, the journalists that have to look in a mirror, that go to bed at night and have to, you know, put their head on a pillow in a softer way. You know, some people don't care. They could put their head on a slab block, a block of freaking granite, cold concrete. They'd still sleep. <laughs> I can't help those people. We can't help those people. We can't get to those people. But I think the people that have some goodness in them, some fairness in them, you know, that they care about such things, I think those journalists will come to the aid, not to aid, but to the aid of this sport. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say some of these judges that we have, I would argue that you could take any random, not even a boxing fan, take any random person off the street and say, watch this round and tell me which guy, at the end of the round, tell me which guy would you rather be? And I, I would guarantee you could get better results than you're getting now because at least it would be an honest opinion not just in a, a vote of an agenda of what, what the guy's trying to accomplish. Maybe a simple thing like maybe open scorn would help a little. Full transparency. We're the only sport that nobody knows who's the winner until it's over. So maybe if these judges in an arena with 20,000 people and everyone saw their score and they started going, whoa, what are you doing? Well, boo, you know, maybe, maybe that would, maybe that would help guide them to a better conscience, better eyesight. May, but there's so many other things that would have to be implemented. That's one idea I just throw out there. But there's so many others. And the National Commission is the only, at the end of the day, it's only hope if we're going to clean up the sport and not week in and week in out come out, come in here talking not just about the two fighters in the ring, which is all we should be talking about, and the fight that they put forward, but talking about what the administrators did to screw it up. That, that's that's well, going to You mentioned earlier about human nature. You see this, um, this conflict going on now with the uh, NBA referee, Eric Lewis, running a burner account, uh, allegedly a big Boston Celtics supporter. Horrible. Supposedly they've won like a huge percentage of the games he's refed. It's a big deal. They're, they're starting to gain traction. They, show, they they said he had a burner account where he was on there. <clears throat> See, something <laughs> will happen listen, there. Listen, listen. Boston, Supporting, nothing happens. Listen, he's on there support, like making an argument, a pro-ref arguments, right? And he's it's a burner account, so he doesn't want you to know who it is. But the dopey bastard, you know what five accounts he follows? Like NBA refs, NBA, a bunch of basketball, four basketball ones. And the fifth one, George Washington, I think it's George Washington College women's basketball, which, by the way, his wife's the coach of. So either someone's trying to set him up wow. or he's the dumbest wow. criminal wow. in history. Wow. But they have a video. There's a video going around of him late in a game where someone scores some junk points, I think, to cover a spread. And you can see his face in the background. As the ball goes in, you see him look like this. Oh, and people are like, what, the, what kind like of reaction? It's, it's an uneventful hoop. It, the score, they, it might have Shouldn't been like be a 15-point like game. That. Crazy. And it was like, oh, why is this guy ref? Uh, they ref will, they will like get rid of no, spread because oh, with, they, they will play. because they have a commission but, and they have they oversight. And they have, they don't yeah. play. And they know that the credibility of the sport is at risk. And that's billions of dollars. Not millions, billions of dollars. So they, they don't play. Boxing, no. 
There's no oversight. There's no national commission. There's nobody home. There's nobody up but that tower watching to make sure that these things don't happen. So if it was boxing, I hate to say it, that same thing, the guy'd be working the following week. He'd be working a prime fight. We can laugh about it, but it's the truth. It's truth. You can do whatever you want. You'll be working the next week. We've never heard of any real repercussions against judges and i'm sure there must be somewhere someone has to be like punished for something but do you know any off the top of your head i don't know of any judges that have ever been punished for bad scorecards the dust I mean, settles and they're right back working like nothing ever happened yeah it's hey it's the reason why we have this petition up it's the reason why we're we're pounding this you know it's the reason why we we pulled up that clip from that movie network and you know, stick your head out the window and yell, we're mad as hell. We ain't going to take it no more. The only difference here, you don't have to stick your head out the window and yell. All you have to do is go sign a petition. And um, listen, we're going to get to these Irish fights. I I want you to take us there, but I want to say yeah. one thing. We've been getting, there's been a, a renaissance for Irish boxing across the pond where it's great. I love it. The last year or two, um, these crowds coming back because I talked about it, just like Mexico, just like all the, you know, all, all the all the nationalities. There, there's a great, great history of boxing. And Irish is no different. There, there was a great history going back to the late 1800s, the 1920s, the 1930s, the 1940s, where you had all kinds of different immigrant groups that were on top dominating boxing uh, and then switching to other groups back and forth. You know, uh, it was a great, uh, it was a great way uh, to improve your life, to improve your family's life, you know, when you came to this great country. And that, that history, the history is over in Mexico where you have a great tradition of Mexican champions, uh, a, a great pride in their fighters there. And I just wanted to just say one thing about it that I'm, I'm glad that it's been revigorated, it's been you know brought back where Irish boxing is alive and well over there and the crowds are phenomenal um, that have been coming out for these Irish fighters, but there's one thing that I also have to mention, because I try to mention everything, because we pride ourselves in trying to see everything and put it all to the fans, you know, as we talk about us being sort of the MRI, the CAT scan, where we're, we're going to get it all and try to give it to you, but they got it, these people over there that are running these shows, getting these crowds, it ain't going to keep up if you keep getting your Irish guys licked you know, and you got to get better matchmakers. There was a show last week, we talked, great show, with Katie Taylor and Cameron and Cully and Felix. They both, they had a great crowd to be there for them. They both got knocked off. The matchmaking was horrible with the opponent. Now look, Katie Taylor and Cameron was a title fight. I get it, but they moved Taylor up and wait to Cameron, who was a monster. They didn't need to, they could have looked somewhere else. She's the one bringing the fans. She's the one making money over there. They didn't have to fight her. You got to, and then the kid Cully, who was, I think, 16 and 0, they put him in with this monster with 46 fight Felix. 
and he gets knocked out in three rounds again they didn't need you need to get a matchmaker over there because you're building something with the fan base which not everywhere can do to bring in that kind of fan not everyone can bring that amount of fans in you want to do that but then you're sabotaging yourself you're you're destroying what you're building by then putting them in with with fighters that don't make sense at that time if you're trying to nurture and build a following a a, a fan base in in those areas you got to be smarter than that as a matchmaker and and the other thing i want to say it also goes for al Heyman. pbc i like al <laughs> but you got some of these fighters that you invest two years, three years uh, resources into building them up to records. You got to have a talent scout, uh, a, a better talent evaluator who's going to say, like my son in the NFL, where they, when you go to the draft and you're going to sign these guys and you're going you're gonna to invest millions of dollars into them. You got to be sure you got to investigate that talent. You got to scout that talent. You got to be sure you're not making a mistake. Otherwise, you're wasting all that money, all those resources. And that's what Heyman, on his side of it, that's what he's doing. He's got guys like we saw Roly Romero, uh, that guy Colbert, um, Joey Spencer. They built him up to 16-0, and he got demolished the first time he stepped up with, with somebody with talent. Again, I'm not knocking you. I'm telling you, you I, I want you guys to do good because it's good for the sport. But if you keep making these mistakes, sooner or later you ain't going to be in the business. You're going to have to close your tent up because you can't keep investing in fighters like that if they're not the right fighters to invest. Soon as they fight somebody, they they get you know they get exposed. So I I think it's throughout the sport. I also talk about there's not enough good trainers out there. There's not. There's not. They're not teaching these kids right. You see it all the time. But you also need guys that evaluate talent better. You need guys that are better matchmakers. I mean, all of that has to be improved. And as far as the Irish, I just wanted, as I said, I just wanted to mention that with that great history uh, that they have with those fighters, and they're bringing it back, they're rejuvenating the interest over there in boxing. I I think it's healthy for everybody. I think it's great. Um, But... Again, you better hire a freaking matchmaker, uh, you know, to help you as you're doing this. And I, I just wanted to mention when I talk about the history, you know, I talk about the history of the great Mexicans too, and I mentioned some of the names. I'd like to just mention a few of the fighters so people understand that, that maybe aren't understanding that the Irish had that kind of history of great fighters. I mean, you had guys like Billy Kahn. You had John L. Sullivan, the the original guy that said, I'd beat any man in the house. You know, it, the house was in a bar, I think. But he, he was a bare knuckle champion uh, for, for years. Uh, you had all of these tremendous champions. 
uh, back in the 30s and the 40s. Uh, guys like Mickey Walker, Harry Greb, um, what was some? Jack Dempsey, heavyweight champ of the world. Jimmy McLaughlin, welterweight champ. Billy Kahn, I mentioned him already. Tommy Lachlan, light heavyweight. John L. Sullivan, as I said, you know, the original, uh, the last bare knuckle champion. Jim Corbett, heavyweight champ. Bob Fitzsimmons, Gene Tunney, one of my favorite fighters. So the Irish, like all the ethnic groups, were very rich in their history of champions in this business. And it's great to see it coming back, but they better hire a freaking matchmaker. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> All right. Let's I, 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 I made one analogy. I got it put because I thought it was pretty funny. Um, they're putting these fighters in with these monsters. I just, I'm, I'm not going to repeat it. I said, you know, who they put them in with, Katie Taylor with Cameron, the, what's his name, the Collie with Felix, all these different ones, right? And that would be like having a racehorse, right? Like you have, you have a stable racehorses. That, that would be like you taking one of your prime racehorses who's been winning races and you suddenly decide to put a 200-pound jockey on him. I, I know you wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, I know you. Yeah, you wouldn't do that. Well, <laughs> that's it. Why are you doing that to these fighters? Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Mick Conlon, uh, homecoming fight in Belfast over the weekend against Luis Venado Lopez. And uh, he gets KO'd in the fifth round with a beautiful right-hand uppercut. Just knocked him out cold. Um, not, a, not, not a good situation for Mick Conlon, unfortunately. I like Mick. I wanted to see him do good, but he just, like, couldn't step up to that elite level or the next level in competition. And every time he has, he's been uh, KO'd. How'd you like it? What'd you think? Yeah, didn't he win a title for five minutes? He won some kind of title. There's a million uh, titles out there. I thought he won something for five minutes. But you're right. I, I don't argue. He, he never reached the level that people were hoping for and was never to, able to win at that next level in any kind of consistent form. But I thought he had won some kind of again. There's there's so many there's so many titles we could give you one, Ken. I mean, you know, I got a belt he for you. He won. I mean, he won an intercontinental yeah. title. No, no, I thought it was. And then he fought for a WBA full world featherweight title, and he that and he lost to Lee Wood. Uh, I don't see him winning. And then he lost to an IBF title just now. Yeah. No, no interim title. Okay, he, fine. He won an intercontinental WBA. No, that don't title. count. I'm not counting that. No. WBA intercontinental. I don't. I don't see him winning a full. No, I thought it was inter interim. But no, then you're then fine. Hey, listen. Either way, you're right. He never got to the place that top rank uh, that signed him out of the Olympics thought that he would get to and he could never win at that next level in a in a any real way and he's got two losses by devastating knockouts once and I, Teddy, I think he won he won a wba interim featherweight title okay i was right uh, tj TJ Thank God Tony. I brought it up because somebody would have knocked us. Somebody would have said, oh, you didn't give him credit for winning that, you know, intercontinental ballistic title. Um, you know, that he won on planet Xeon. You forgot about that? You know, he won a vacant, uh, so WBA, inter he won a vacant WBA interim. 
So I apologize. I, no, no. To be clear, Teddy, to be clear, I like Mick Conlon. And I, one of the Irish fans was texting me, DMing me over the weekend. I said, I like Mick Conlon. I want him to be good, but he keeps getting stopped when he moves Like up. I said, he, he won a title for a couple minutes. But look, not everyone gets to do that. So congratulations to him. God bless him. <laughs> because not that many people can win any title. So that's, that's something. There's no doubt about it. But did he come up short? as far as what people projected and hoped they were projecting correctly for his Yeah, he did. And I'll tell you this, and again, I, you know, I'm consistent. Um, and you can consistently like me or hate me because I'm consistent. I, I will be uh, telling you how I feel. And back when he fought, I ne when Conlon fought his first or second fight, it was on ESPN. It was very early. I think it might have been his first fight. I'm not sure. And I called it. And after the fight, during the fight, I said what I say. I, did, I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed with this kid with the great Olympic pedigree and the whole thing. Uh, I, I, I saw a guy that I thought his style had not developed from the amateurs. This is what I meant. I thought that he was more prone to being a good amateur with his style than eventually a, a great pro because I, I didn't think he could break an egg. I didn't think he could punch. And he was more, you know, decent boxer, but a decent boxer that you could hit too and you could find. And I didn't think he had enough physicality to him to get away with that in the pro ranks with the top guys. And so I said it on the air. That's my job. I said, <laughs> I said, listen, unless he improves a great deal, I'm not, you know, I'm basically not buying stock uh, or drinking the Kool-Aid that he's the next great Irish fighter, whatever you want to say, or, you know, for top rank to sign. And I don't think I have to tell you, Ken, a lot of the people top rank and him didn't like it and lo and behold who am i riding in the car with back to the hotel after the fight <laughs> mickey Conklin, mikey Conklin, right Con conlon i'm sorry conlon and 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 some of the uh you know some of the top rank whatever people and we're driving back and you know obviously i made it clear he knew and then i reiterated it in a nice way you know in a correct way but in a way that was constructive criticism. Not everyone understands that or takes it well. But I, that's how I meant it. And of course, I'm sure that the top-ranked people were whispering in his ear, don't listen to Teddy, you know, and telling him what he wanted to hear. <laughs> but here's the thing, here's the catch. Not telling him what he had to hear or what he should hear or what he needed to hear <laughs> to correct, maybe try to correct the things before it was uncorrectable, before it was too late. And so I'm, so Conlon was never a fan of mine because of that. Obviously, I know. I mean, we, we were fine. We, didn't, we were very pleasant to each other and respectful. But I'm, I'm sure that I wasn't one of his favorite people. But I said it then. And so I'm consistent. I'm saying it now. I, I never thought that he was going to that place. Again, credit. Credit that he won a title, that uh, interim title, that he did. But I never thought he was going to a place. When I say a place, I mean 
where you're going to stay for a little while, where you're going to put a claim down on that property and, and build something. That's what I mean. I, I just didn't think he he was able to do that because of the things I, I just talked about. So anyway, as far as, and I wish I was wrong, but as far as that fight goes, he, uh, listen, he always showed heart. Uh, again, second time that he's been knocked out and, and knocked out in a, you know, in a devastating, in a devastating fashion. Um, so, you know, he, his fight with Lopez, he looked like at the end of the day, because I always look forward. I don't just look there. I look forward. Like, okay, the early round, but I'm looking forward. And I'm thinking to myself, looking at the strengths of Lopez and the strengths of Conlon, how the hell is he going to keep this guy off him going forward? I mean, it, it was if I was commentating, which I'm not, but I would have basically said, this is like a guy with a pea shooter trying to hold off a rhino. I mean, he had a cap gun. <laughs> he had a cap gun versus a bazooka. I, I mean, Lopez was physically stronger, much better puncher. Now he was wide. He was crude. No doubt about that. But he was game. He was willing. And Conor's game. But he was Lopez was game. He was aggressive. He was determined. He was relentless. And he was going to keep coming unless you gave him a reason not to come no more. And I and Conlon just didn't have anything to give him that reason not to come anymore. That's one of the problems when you match him in the pros and they get to this level, you know, where you have to go 12 rounds, not three rounds, not three rounds. Three rounds, the end of three rounds, Conlon wins that fight. He wins that fight. Well, no, he doesn't win that fight, maybe. Well, yeah, in the amateur, he does because the knockdown that the knockdown or getting hurt doesn't count any more than a jab, uh, actually, in that sport if you get shaken up. So in the amateurs, it's, it's the same as landing a jab. So yeah, after three rounds, he probably wins. But it's not a three-round fight. That's the problem. So anyway, he, he's, trying to, you know, he's trying to hold off the inevitable. Again, like I talk about, trying to keep the ocean from coming to the shore. You're not doing it. You're not doing it. You're, you're, you got the kids building those sandcastles on the shore, and, and sooner or later, that tide's coming up, and it's knocking that sandcastle. Yeah, you can move the castle back. You move it back a little bit, but eventually you run out of shoreline. Eventually you can't move back no more, and, and, and the tide's going to get you. The, the ocean's going to get you. And... The ocean that happened to be named Lopez, obviously it got to him. Um, you know, in the third round, Lopez landed a right uppercut that hurt Conlon. And to the credit of Lopez, he put it in his computer and, and he said, okay, I'm going to keep using that punch because I landed now, I'll land it again later. And he was right. He stayed with that punch and he caught Conlon again with it in the fifth round, and you know it was it was good night, uh, and and not by an Irish lullaby. I mean it was good night, and um, you know uh, 
I, I touched on it about earlier about Katie Taylor and they need matchmakers over there. Now, I, I'm going to a little bit say the same thing here with Conlon that you don't put a guy like that in. You, you're drawing great crowds there in Belfast. You don't put him in there with a guy like Lopez. But there's one difference. <laughs> it's for a title. So you can't choose who you're fighting for a title. I get it. But if it was me, I'll be honest with you. I'd look somewhere else anyway because I got a kid that could draw big crowds over an island. Not everyone has that. And you know what, Ken? I would have looked. I would have said, all right, let's look for another title shot. Let's look somewhere else. Or let's fight a couple fights, non-title fights, you know, um, where we... Don't we can avoid a guy that's this dangerous, that's this much of a puncher that we can't hold off, that we could avoid that and and make a little money. I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier about Conlon being upset about your comments. Rightfully so, right? You want to use that motivate as motivation if someone critiques you negatively, even if you don't like it. But I, I think it. he's too proud for his own good. I think he was like, no, br- give me anyone with the title. I'm ready. But he's that's where that's once. where a manager and a promoter have yeah, to exactly. override because a fighter, that's a good point. A fighter will, a, a real fighter will fight anyone. A real fighter with a fighter's temperament. And that's what you want. You want that temperament. He'll fight anyone. Bring him on. Bring on Godzilla. Bring King Kong. I don't care. And you have managers and promoters that, yes, they have the to fighter care. to death, a guy like Conlon will just bully them into doing what he wants, even if it's in his, not in his best interest. Yeah, again, you're right. Good times. point. You want that temperament from a fighter. But then you want the better heads around them that say, no, no, no. Later, but not now. Later, but not now. No, no, no. And, and they make the decision. But I will give credit to Conlon along those lines that he wanted this fight. He wanted the title. He wanted Lopez. He showed the heart of a lion, the heart of a champion, the heart of a fighter. And he behaved like one, you know. And he... uh he wanted that fight. But again, that's not who I'm saying needs to make. The, the people around them need to say, hey, we got a good thing going here. We could keep making money. We could get, and, and not fair, just build them up a little more, let them make, and put them in. Even, and I'm not saying people are going to say, oh, Teddy, so you don't want them to fight nobody. No, I'm not saying that. But when you can make those kind of crowds, you can bring those kind of crowds, build it a little bit more. Build it up so other fighters can fight also on those cars. And they can develop because you're making money. You're not losing money because a lot of promoters lose money doing live cards. So this way, you can build up other talent too. And what I'm saying is, yeah, put them in with the best fighters. Yeah, put them in for titles. Yeah, put them in competitive fights. But do a little bit better job of saying, okay, I'll stay away from this TNT puncher because my guy don't have enough to hold him off. So I'll put, but I'll put him in with a guy who still could beat him maybe, but at least is not, he's got a better shot, who's not as dangerous with that element of power involved where maybe I'll put him in with a guy who's a really good boxer and, and we'll see if Conlon can, can hold his own boxing with him. And maybe he can't. And, and fine, but it, it makes more sense, again, when you're 
bringing those kind of crowds that not everyone can bring. It makes sense to be cognizant of what I'm talking about, though, the whole environment of the thing. Yeah, I would say from Conlon's perspective, though, he's in his mind, he's beaten every single person he's fought, even against Lee Wood. He was ahead on the scorecards going into the last round, and he got caught with a huge shot and KO'd. In his mind, he might be like, I'm the best. I just got caught a lucky shot, and I'm ready to go against anyone. I'm going to run right over this guy. And that's probably what he had himself convinced of. And that, like you said, that's what you want from the fighter. But someone should have been able to say, like, there's still some things we need to work on, which is why he got knocked out against Lee Wood and why he got knocked out now against uh, Lopez. And Conlon, look, to his credit, he, he fought like a fighter or like you want a fighter to fight. But here's the thing. There's, there's the, the cerebral part, the, the, the upstairs part to it, too. You, you, you can't outfight everyone. You got to outsmart them. You got to out, you know, maneuver them, too. And... He he was standing, and, and that's his style, but he's trying to box. He thinks he's boxing, but he's really standing in front of the guy, you know, way, way, way too much, you know, with a guy who's that kind of punching, that physically superior to him. And that's where a fighter, with the help of his trainer and all the team, must know his limitations. You got to know your identity. You have to know who you are. You know, I go back to the old movie, the, the the TV series, the movies, Clint Eastwood, the Dirty Harry series. Remember those? Uh, you look a little like Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's a good thing. It's a compliment. Well, but no, I, I don't know. know if, I don't know if you have a three fifty seven <laughs> Magnum. But back in those days, somebody goes, somebody goes in your house, they might find out. But back in those days, you know, with the Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry series. I used to quote him on ESPN Friday Night Fights a lot where where it called for it, where I'd say, like Clint Eastwood said in Dirty Harry, a man must know his limitations. <laughs> you know, uh, you got to know who you are. You got to know if you're carrying a three fifty seven, which Clint did, or you're carrying a twenty two, or or a slingshot, or, you know, or just paper clips with a rubber band. You gotta know what you have and what you don't have. You gotta you 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 have to understand those things in order to be able to have the best chance to win consistently in this business. But that was again, that was a wasn't much. It, it went five rounds. Um and you know, I, I just it was kind of like when you see those dark clouds coming in, Ken, you know the rain's coming. Yep. <laughs> you don't need, you, you don't need a, a weatherman, uh, a geologist, uh, a meteorologist, uh, I should say, to come in and say, hey, Teddy, the rain's coming. No, no, no. I, I see that, buddy. And when I was watching that fight early on with uh, Conlon and Lopez, I said, the rain's coming. The rain's coming. And maybe worse, <laughs> maybe worse. <laughs> Some lightning too. <laughs> lightning and maybe hail. You know those golf size, those golf ball size hailstorms you get in the Midwest sometimes that that break windshields and dent car hoods, that kind of stuff. All right, let's get into the um, let's get into the Lee Wood uh, Mauricio Lara rematch uh, in the first one back in. 
they they fought originally in uh, February of 2023, so earlier this year. Um, they're back in, and Lee Wood just dominated. I I felt like, I don't know, I felt like Lara came in grossly overweight. I mean, he missed weight by like three or four pounds. He wasn't is, prepared I, I, like he was the first. He wasn't hungry I mean, the, like he was uh, the first fight. 100%. Not hungry. Doesn't even bother making weight. I don't understand this, Teddy. This is like one of the greatest mysteries to me. If you're a boxer and it's your dream to get to the get to the title fight and you get there and you want to keep it right and then then you pull an andy ruiz and you show up like out of shape not only can you not make weight i mean obviously the weight andy didn't have to make weight but the 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 performance was so lackluster and just like he was just seemed like nonchalant like "Ah, i don't really give a shit and lee wood was fighting for his life and it looked like it and lee wood just dominated i thought from start to finish so credit to lee wood shame on lara for showing up and kind of you know, Baba booing his uh, opportunity here to retain the title. Lee Wood gets it. How'd you like the fight? My mentor, Customato, and the old timers in boxing, who I thought were the greatest, they used to tell me, Teddy, it's one thing to win the title, which is very hard, but it's even harder to keep it. To keep not only at that level physically and keep improving, because you, now you, some people think, I don't have to improve no more. That's wrong. You should never think that. But some people, they win the title, they get to the the, you know, the top of the mountain, right? The pinnacle of their success that, as you said, they've been striving for, working for all their lives. And they think there's nowhere else to go. They're satisfied. They are satisfied emotionally, mentally, spiritually. You know, they're, they're content. Uh, technically, they think they don't have to learn anything more. Um, that's why they say it's harder to keep the title because you got to deal with all those. You got to deal with all those things you know, that suddenly come to the door now. Um, are you still hungry? You know, there is still more to learn. You know, there are people, there, there is a target on your back. Can I give you one real world example for like the people out there, like we talked about at the beginning of the um, podcast on the first episode, why we were doing this, why Teddy was doing this podcast and it's to relate it back to life. And to give you a real world experience, uh, using my own stuff and running and not to compare running with boxing. But when I showed up and no one knew who I was at these local races and I'd win, I had no pressure on me. No one expected anything. But now if I show up to a local race, especially around where I live here or when I lived in LA, you know, a handful of the people that were competitive know who I was. And, and in a weird way, it was so uncomfortable because I knew everyone wanted to beat me. Because if I won the year before or I won a race a couple of weeks ago, I knew they were coming for me. And it was so much more nerve wracking. It was like night and day. I used to show up and be like psyched to shock everyone and be like, who is this giant guy who's beating all these skinny runners? But once they knew who I was, man, even going to do a turkey trot became pressure laden. And I think that people can apply the same analogy to work when you're you know, a sales guy and you're grinding and it's like you're shocking everyone by putting up huge sales numbers. It's great. When you're now the sales manager, now the pressure is on not just for you to sell, but to like make sure everyone else is selling. And if they're not selling, it's on you to make them better. So the point is like everyone can relate to that feeling in some way of having pressure from 
previous performances or expectations, or even if it's expectations you're putting on yourself that might be irrational, it doesn't matter what the reality of the situation is. It only matters what your reality is, what you're telling yourself about the situation. And uh, like you would say before a fight, the worst enemy you could have is yourself. The, the, the things that can happen in your imagination are a thousand times worse than probably what's going to happen in reality. Yeah, I always say that, um, and it's true. But listen, yeah, I mean, right on the bunny. So I think he was dealing with some of that, uh, you know, Mr. Lara. And, you know, that's part of the territory, part of the turf. Uh, I use a cute analogy. I don't know if it's cute, but um, it's a little different. But usually my analogies are, uh, like them or not. But it's... <laughs> it's like robbing a bank. You know, it's sometimes the hardest thing ain't robbing a bank. It's getting away with it. <laughs> and, and, and it's keeping the money, keeping the money and not getting caught. And <laughs> winning a title in some ways can be like robbing a bank where, yeah, you got it. You got the title. You got the crown. You got the ability to make money now. You better freaking keep it, you know? Otherwise, what was the sense of all that risk? So at the end of the day, uh, Lara did not come in there. He definitely wasn't taking his athletic greens. I know that. I was just going to tell you, Lara, maybe if you supplemented a couple meals or, or substituted out a couple meals for AG1, athletic greens, the best whole food sourced ingredient, multivitamin on the market. One scoop of morning mixed with eight to 10 ounces of water and you get everything you need. Maybe you skip a meal in training camp and get your athletic greens. One thing is can, you can rest assured you're getting all the vitamins, nutrients, and minerals that you need to keep your body running at optimized levels go to athleticgreens.com atlas and they'll send you 10 of these free travel packs with your first purchase and when you travel into the fight a week in advance these 10 of these travel packs will keep you going one pack every morning take them everywhere i go everyone knows it and teddy i know you've been enjoying them as well go to athleticgreens.com atlas They're to important. get the travel packs and, and sign up for a subscription Best value on the market. Health is wealth. I just made that that's up. It. I don't know if somebody else that's has it. used that before. But that just came to my mind with Athletic Greens. A rich man has a million problems. A sick man has one. That's a good one. Um, so true. So sad. Uh, especially when you can do something about it before it's too late. So uh, the Lee Wood lara fight, second rematch. So what do we have there? As far as the analysis, you know, we we started in the right place. Lara doesn't come in there 100%. So that means he's not 100% physically or mentally as hungry. And you can see the way he fought. He didn't fight with the same urgency. He didn't fight with the same relentless aggression where he was physically the stronger guy and a, and a you know, good puncher. I mean, Wood can punch a little bit, but Lara overall is probably a better puncher. Uh, but he... You're not a better puncher if your hands are in your pocket. If you're not throwing them the same way or to the same uh, extent that you were throwing them in the first fight, with the same bad intentions, the same tenacity, the same regularity. But look, I'm I'm going to go away from there because it wasn't just that. Wood deserves the credit 
because he came in there with a better game plan. He came in there and fought a very, it wasn't an exciting fight, but he fought an efficient, a technically efficient, smart, deliberate, effective fight to get his title back. Wood did. He, he fought the fight of geography that I always talk about. He realized after the first fight where the geography for him was that was better on the outside. Not close where Lara, the physically superior guy, maybe better punch or whatever, could hurt him, could, could have his way. So he fought it on the outside. And it didn't make for a scintillating fight, but it made for an effective comeback win for Wood. He controlled range. He kept separation. He used the jab. He pushed his jab. He didn't snap it out. I would have rather he snapped it. But he pushed his jab all night long, and he got away with it because he did it at a far enough distance where he used it as a range finder. He used it as a range finder, and then every once in a while he snapped it out. Uh, he mixed it up. He used it as a range fighter to keep room between him and the stronger Lara, where Lara couldn't hit him when he could hit Lara because he's longer than Lara. He was smart. It was a smart, really well-thought-out fight for him. And a discipline consistent. He fought it all night long. And he had to. He didn't want to make a mistake where he could get caught like he did in their first fight. So give credit to Wooden. I'm giving it to him. Controlled range. Used that left hand to keep the range. To set up right hands. Pot shot with right hands every once in a while. Throw counter shots in there. And then... It makes sense to use an uppercut when you're control range and the shorter guy is coming in. Sometimes he'll come in leaning a little bit and you can set him up with an uppercut. Sure enough, the second round, exactly what Wood did. He set him up with an uppercut. He blinded him beautifully. Blinded him really beautifully with the left hand. And Lara, he's got a good chin because he never saw the uppercut coming. Bang! Right on the chip, dropped him. And you know what? That was the end of the fight. Sometimes it's not, but that was it. Because that set the tone and the pace, the rhythm, really the mentality of the fight the rest of the way. It really did for both guys that Lee said, okay, I got it. I got it now. <laughs> I'm going to stay on the outside. I'm not going to make mistakes. I'm not going to get carried away with my success there. I'm going to keep having success on the outside. It cemented that way of thinking. And as far as Lara, it cemented him in a way where it demoralized him a little. He was he knew he wasn't in the best of shape. Uh, you know, it it tamed him, if you will. I think that's a good word. It tamed him uh a little bit. Uh just just made him more tranquil. It it kept him in his place. Again, Wood set the tone with that punch. That punch set the tone for the rest of the night. And he stayed on the outside. It heated up a little bit, but not enough, where Lara never really made a consistent enough push to do what he was ready to do in the first fight, quite frankly. And Wood took advantage of it, could own that geometry, bought land on the outside, found a real estate agent before the fight. The real estate agent said, here, here, buy some property out here, you know, it's all about location. Location, location, location. And Wood proved that. He should open a real estate office now over there 
in uh, in his homeland because he probably do good with it. Uh, terrific job by him. I'm 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 happy for him. He got his title back. He won the geography battle, as I said. Uh, disciplined fight for him. Congratulations. Yeah, great fight. Um, all right, big fight announced over the world. Not a great uh, fight. I know what you mean, Ken. It, it wasn't an exciting fight, but it was, a, it was a terrific fight, performance um, and a very efficient, really efficient performance uh, by the, the, you know, by Wood. Reminded me a little of the um, uh, Joshua Ruiz fight part two. Where one guy was a little lackluster in the champ, and the that's uh, that's good. That's good. Did what he had to do to get the win. Yeah, and 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 that and and that guy came in a little overweight, but <laughs> yeah, I'd say <laughs> he well, came uh, in a he came in a uh, 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 they weigh him. The, I mean, the way he was looking, uh, it's tonnage instead of poundage. I mean, <laughs> fair. Fair. Man, Andrew Ruiz, speaking of, I mean, this wasn't on the docket to discuss today. But no, geez, but what's he what doing? What's happened to this guy? What's I mean, he doing? What's he doing? I mean, he, look, he made, if, if, if he doesn't get the Anthony Joshua fight, he, he's never making the kind of bread that he's already made. So in well, his mind, maybe he's exceeded his wildest expectations. He never should have got that sponsor deal. His people did a poor job getting him that sponsor deal with Snickers. That, that wasn't good. That you don't need, I don't think you need the amazing Kretzkin to tell you that one. That, you know, to get, really, to, to get a, a, a sponsored deal with Snickers, when you're prone to being a little overweight sometimes, maybe, maybe not the best move. No, definitely not. Well, big fight announced last, this, this past week, uh, Spencer, Spence Crawford, it's on. It's happening July 29th. I'm kind of disappointed they put it on July 29th going up against the Dustin Poirier, uh, Justin Gaethje part two. Uh, but nevertheless, I'll take it however I can get it. It'll be a late night, but um, man, we've been waiting for this one a long time. I don't Put think it on my birthday. Is that why they did it, Ken? Did That's they do exactly it to right. give me a birthday present? I don't know. I think so. All, all, both of the fights. Both of the fights are birthday presents. Those both should be... Uh, Man, that's high-level stuff uh, from the UFC and the world of boxing. We're rooting very hard for our man, um, Dustin Poirier. I mean, you know, I, I respect and admire every one of these fighters on these cards. Every one of them, Gagey, every one of them. Uh, just tremendous. Spence and Crawford, I, both of them I, I admire. But, um, but, of course, Poirier has a, closer, a closeness to our hearts because... We have friendship with him. He he flew in for my charity foundation dinner last year, um, you know, which, I mean, speaks to the kind of human being he is. And he's been on our show, you know, many, many times. And he'll probably get mad at me I was a little bit, but I don't care. I don't care. As long as I don't got to get in the octagon with him, <laughs> I don't care. Otherwise, I might care a little bit. But I, I love the guy. And he didn't only fly in that time. And again, we didn't plan on talking about this. He didn't only fly in from Louisiana, um, his hometown, to be at the dinner. Three days after a, a vicious fight um, that he had at Madison Square Garden, um, you know, uh, with... with um, uh, what, what was uh, his Michael Chandler. Fight? 
with Chandler. And Chandler's a beast, too. He's a beast, too. But anyway, he's all action. I mean, he's all action. You, when you get in with him, you better button down the hatches because you know what's coming. You know, bombs and action. You know, artillery right away. But uh, Dustin's been there many times. He handled it. He, uh, he submitted them, you know, and then he... After that rough fight, he goes home. He flies back for our foundation dinner, and that should have been enough. But he also drops off a check for ten thousand um, dollars, and he does his own charity too. So anyway, uh, I I just think that good people should be. I don't know. I don't think you should keep it a secret that they're they're more than just good athletes, more than just you know, good performers, more than just. Uh, Samurais in their sports, which these guys are, but they're also uh, special, special human beings, which which Dustin exhibited. But the Spence Crawford fight, go ahead, Ken. Well, obviously, we'll try to get a fight plan up before this fight. This is the big one. We've all been waiting for it. Tell me, Teddy, briefly, what do we need to look for here from both guys? Just give them a teaser before we do the fight plan. And for the people at my bookie, I'll check out the lines. Go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Atlas for 50% credit on your first deposit. Should you be so inclined to place a bet like my emotional hedge when I bet on the Miami uh, Heat tonight in case the Celtics do get upset? Don't do that. Don't even <laughs> say you're going to do that. Don't even say. You're not a fan. You, you're not a fan. The Celtic fans are going to they're, they're gonna barrage you now uh, with 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 comments on on, the, on your on your social media they're going to they're going to sure. come after you that's all right because they're going to say how can you call yourself a Celtic fan and no matter what the the psychology is the, so what <laughs> you, how are you going to do that how are you going to bet on the enemy how when we're trying to make history over here in the new Boston Garden all right Spence Crawford it's probably 2 years too late but it's better than five years too late, which the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight was, especially for Pacquiao. So it's better than that. And I will say, even at 35, I think Crawford's 35 years old. Even at that, it's, he's not eroded. He's not, he's not, you know, in the twilight of his career where he's slipping. He hasn't shown any of that. So I think it's still, it's still prime enough if it's not prime prime it's still prime where we're getting this fight before it is too late i would have liked it two years earlier but at least as i said be happy for what you get you know the rolling stone song you know what's that song ken beast uh, uh you can't always get what you want you can't always get what you want but sometimes, if, if you just you try, try sometimes, times you, you just get might what get need. what you need. If this <laughs> podcast thing don't work out for us, Ken, we're not taking it on the road um, to, 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 to do that. I just found that out. I just discovered that. Like Clint Eastwood said, a man must know his limitations. We could be a parody band like the, like the, like the Dan band, the band at the end of... Um, uh, what's the movie where they go on bachelor? They go on a bachelor party to Vegas. Um, uh, Bradley Cooper, 
Um, and at the end of the movie, they, they, they go to a wedding and the guys, the, the Dan band is singing and they do like old 80s songs, but they mix in like the F word <laughs> randomly. And oh, it's That's the funniest funny, right? scene ever. Uh, I'll think of the song in a minute while you're breaking this down, but we've got to come back to it. <laughs> There's a good one if Rob can find the clip. Yeah, he'll find it. Spence, naturally bigger. You know that. You don't need Teddy to tell you that. Um, but Crawford has carried his power up three weight classes. Uh, lightweight, junior welterweight, and welterweight now. So Spence beat smaller boxer. Here's the thing you got to know about Spence. Uh, everyone, some people think he's just a relentless, stronger, bigger guy. You know, he's going to outpunch you, outwork you. He's going to get to you. He's going to be a seek and destroy. He's much more than that. He's got that Olympic pedigree, uh, tremendous amateur background. And he beat a smaller boxer in Mikey Garcia with his southpaw jab. You know, not just with his physicality, because he took away the one chance Garcia had to win that fight, which was to jab himself, control range, change distance, and counterpunch. He didn't let Garcia do that because he dominated him on the outside with his jab and took all of that away from him, the ability to counterpunch and to control range. So Spence is a well-rounded fighter, as I said, not just an aggressive, you know, guy. Uh, he's a good body puncher. He needs that. That's important. If you're the bigger guy and you want to impose that advantage on a smaller guy, go to the smaller guy's body with your bigger body. That's important. He's going to have to be that body puncher. And don't forget, though, that Crawford can go to the punch, uh, go to the body too. But that would be an important part of the preview, what to look for in this fight. Go to the body of the smaller man. Crawford, one thing I say to begin with, and everyone knows I really think a lot of him, I, I got him I got him right up. To, I think I got him number one, actually, pound for pound. A lot of people disagree, but I don't. I have number one. I have Spence right up there, too. But I have Crawford number one, pound for pound. I think sometimes you know? those guys get affected by their their uh, somewhat inactivity. Um, and yeah. and that, that inactivity influences people's um, opinion in terms of pound for pound. True. but And it should, I guess. But Crawford... Spence technically really sound. He's sound. He's buttoned up and keeps his hands up well. Crawford, of course, technically is great too, but he's not as disciplined as Spence with his hand placement. He drops them in spots. He controls range really well with his length. He's got long arms. He sets up counters, but he can also go in close and fight with you too. Uh, he has great instincts. Matter of fact, he might have the greatest instincts I've ever seen in a fighter. I'm talking about Crawford, really. And that's a hell of a, I've seen a lot of fights on tape, live. I, I mean, I go back to where Custom Auto and Jim Jacobs, the big fight, uh, big fight tapes, big fight incorporated, um, big fight tapes where Jimmy Jacobs and, and Bill Caton owned. And, and I got to see all the great fighters, guys like Henry Armstrong, and just all of them. And I've never seen anybody with better instincts 
than Crawford. So, and I did work with him. I, I went to his studio. We put a ring in the middle and for ESPN, and I broke down some of his early fights, his formative fights, the fights that got him to where he was going. And I, I broke them down with him and went over things with him. And there was one fight where it was probably his coming out fight a little bit, uh, where he, he was beating everybody, but then he stepped up with a former world champion, former gold medalist from the Olympics, uh, a guy with superstar talent, superstar speed, he had power too, but he was past himself, Gamboa. Gamboa was past himself a little bit, but still had enough left to test you a little. And Crawford fought him, was winning a fight, and then he got caught in the middle of the fight, seventh round, eighth round, whatever it was, I don't remember exactly. And he got caught with a right hand. And I broke the tape down by myself before I got with Crawford to see. And my goodness, what I saw him do, I, I had to rerun it five times to make sure I wasn't wrong. It was just pure instinct. It was like Customato used to tell me, Teddy, the great ones, the special ones, they can make it up as they do it. Kind of like a, like a Louis Armstrong on the horn that suddenly hits a different note that you never heard before. Or Jimi Hendrix on a guitar. Ding! He, he hits a string that you never heard. That you just, you know, was new. And that's what I was kind of witnessing. I couldn't believe it. So I went back. I looked at it. I wanted to make sure. And sure enough, he was, he's a great switch hitter too. Maybe the best switch hitter I ever saw. Where he, can, where he can bat from either side of the plate. Righty or lefty. And he doesn't lose a thing. Power, uh, you know, technique. Nothing. He doesn't lose anything. Lefty or righty, Crawford can do it. If he needs to pull it out of the hat, he'll switch to you from southpaw to orthodox or vice versa. And so he was in the southpaw stance. And he gets hit with a right hand from Gamboa, the, the former champion, former Olympian too, champion. Cuban, from the Cuban, the national Cuban team, which was the best amateurs in the world at the time. And he hurts Crawford with the right hand. He never sees it. He gets hurt. He wobbles, and he goes back. As he's going back, and as Gamboa is going after him, what he did at that moment was just pure instinct and, and greatness. And like I said, I had to look at it five times to be sure before I did it for ESPN with him and went over it. He suddenly switches from southpaw, as he's going back with his legs wobbly, he suddenly switches from southpaw to orthodox. You know why? So now he's not available. He's not, he's not vulnerable to the right hand as southpaws are in the southpaw stance. So he switches back to orthodox so he's not open for that right hand again. And at the same time, he instinctually understands that Spence, I mean that uh, Gamboa is going to be going right hand crazy and he's going to be looking to land it again and prone to maybe reaching with it, getting a little fat with it, a little reckless with it. So he switches back to take away the right hand, the vulnerability from a defensive standpoint, at the same time setting himself up offensively with now the lead left hook from the orthodox position where if Gamboa reaches in with the right hand, 
he can counter him with the left hook. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. When I saw that, I said, wow, I got something here. And then I I put it I put it down, put it on the, we put it on the collection of the tape with the producers at ESPN. And then when we did it with him, me and him sitting in the studio, we put a ring in the middle and we did it. I said, I'm going to run back something for you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you if you remember doing this. Okay, let's do it. I run it back. I look at him. I see his face right there. He didn't even need to tell me. I said, you, do you remember doing that? He said, nope. I said, there it is. I said, you have no recollection you did that. He goes, never saw it before, Teddy. He goes, no. And he laughed. I said, it's pretty good, isn't it? He smiled. He goes, yeah, pretty good. I said, yeah, you're pretty good. I said, that is why I say that you have the best instincts I've ever seen because you didn't even know you did that. You just did it instinctually because you had to at that moment. So those instincts, that's something you can't, you can't just go in the gym and just teach that. And between that, um, and also he's a junkyard dog. Yeah, one of my favorite fighters, everyone knows, is Sugar Ray Leonard. He was a junk with all smiles, seven up commercials, you know, good looking kid, all of that. He was a junkyard dog. He was a pit bull dog. He was nasty when he, when he had to be nasty in that ring, Sugar Ray Leonard. Well, Crawford has the same quality in that way, that he's a junkyard dog in there when he has to be. He's nasty. And between all of that, as much as I love Spence, the bigger guy, he, I, I broke it down, relentless, strong guy, I like Crawford. I, I, let, me ask, I, let me ask you this. Have you, seen, have you seen the line yet? Do you know what the line is on this fight? No, I, I really don't. I, I really right, before don't. Before I tell you, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Who do you think's favored? Spence. Slight. What, what do you think? What do you think the line will be? Ballpark. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they have Crawford a slight favorite, but I, I think Spence, uh, bigger, naturally bigger guy. I'm gonna say, um, just you know, like seven or five, eight. You know, very slight, like. Uh, uh, six or five, seven or five. In other words, yeah, maybe you gotta lay a buck ten or a buck twenty to get a buck back to get a hundred back. Um, you know, very slight, minimal. It's gotta be minimal. I would have thought the same thing. Terence Crawford, a pretty good favorite here, minus one forty-seven to plus one hundred six on um, Errol Spence. So if you like Craw, if you like Crawford, uh, a lot of people are with you. Wow. I'm not the only smart guy out there. <laughs> All right, over under 10 and a half rounds. If you had to make a line, what do you make there? I think most people think it's going to go over. It's going to go rounds. So I would think that uh, maybe you got to lay, you got to lay some decent wood uh, if you're going to take the over, I would think. And you get back something if you're going to take the under. Yeah, bigger than you would think. Minus 232 on the over 10 and a half, under plus 162. Bit of a surprise I'm, uh, there, right? Yeah, I, I I'm going to tell you, I know we're going to go right? over this again when it gets closer exactly, and we're going to yep. do the fight plan, but I'm going to tell you right now. Um, well, how many rounds is the over under? 10 and a half. 10 and a half, 10 and a half. Oh, wow. Almost two and a half to one. You got to lay almost two and a half bucks to make one. Yeah, I, I look, that's where it figures. 
but I, I don't think I'd lay that out of my pocket. Um, but I would, it is called gambling. So I would take the gamble that and pick up that, you know, extra change by going under. Why? Because I think that with the style of, you know, Spence coming forward for the most part, he'll be smart, but coming forward and Crawford, you know, carrying the power up, as I said, he's still got power, even though he's the naturally small guy, and looking to counter. I think he'll look to land that uppercut with Spence coming in. And I wouldn't be shocked if Crawford could hurt Spence somewhere late in the fight. I wouldn't be shocked if he did. Hey, look, you wouldn't be shocked, I guess, if Spence hurt him by going to the body either. But I'm talking about Crawford right now. I wouldn't be shocked if he was able to hurt Spence somewhere before the night ended. So I, I would probably, I'd probably go and play a little bit with the under. It's an intriguing line, right? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have expected Crawford to be that much of a favorite because I'm with you. I like Crawford, but at that, at those odds, plus money on Spence and plus a buck sixty on the under. Uh, first of all, I hate betting the over, right? It's much more fun. It's like betting the under in a um, in a football game. Like everyone likes points, everyone likes a knockout. I think based on the line alone, if I were gonna bet, it would be small on Spence and the under just because of the line. But if it was even money, I like Crawford too, and I like it probably to go over, at least over 10, 10 and a half rounds. But like you said, with the guys that are this good, you only have to make one mistake and the other guy's gonna get you out of there. They can both crack. This is high-level fighting. This is the fight I think. I think people want this fight more than any other fight in the sport. I think the better pure puncher, just pure punches, you know, um, because I always say punches are born, they're not made. But the better pure puncher would be the smaller guy, Crawford. I think that the other guy is a more accumulative puncher, Spence. Um, and he's a really good body puncher. He's a solid puncher. He lands, he looks to land solid punches with his legs under him. You know, uh, and, and he's a good puncher, no doubt about it. But as far as that little extra explosiveness, it might favor um, Crawford in that in that sort of way. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, in terms of other fights that are coming up, while I've got you here, I just wanted to get your opinion on um, on one of the other fights coming up. One sec, let me pull up the line. Don't forget, we got uh, a fight plan coming up with Inouye and and Fuller. Stephen uh, Fulton. Fulton, I'm sorry. Uh, we got a fight plan coming up with that. That'll be, that'll be interesting, that fight. Yeah, that fight's still three weeks out. Next week, Next week on um, on June 10th, uh, sorry, two weeks from this past Saturday, so a week and a half out, we've got uh, Josh Taylor, Tiafimo Lopez. Interesting fight here. In Very that, interesting. They're fighting in the theater. I mean, to think that two guys with these records, with their records and, and all the accomplishments that they couldn't sell out at MSG or at least justify being in the big room, I'm a little bit surprised here, and there's been a really vicious Eddie Hearn and Bob Arum getting uh, getting very personal with each other. And uh, one of the things Eddie Hearn said is, you know, that these guys couldn't, that top rank is dropping the ball with all their guys. And look at the 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 
poor performance on the pay-per-view numbers on the recent um, Haney-Lomachenko fight. Apparently, it did like really low numbers, allegedly, but I don't know that you can ever trust any of those numbers. So he was saying, Eddie Hearn was saying as another example, he's like, Bob can't even get a fight of this magnitude should be in a major arena with close to a sellout, but they have it in the theater, 4,000 seats. I thought that was an interesting twist. This, I mean, this is as good as... This is as good as any fight we've had on the calendar, in my opinion. These guys are high-level fighters. I'm surprised it's in a 4,000-seat arena. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think they've both... I, I think Lopez has damaged his, you know, his... His brand. A little bit. I mean, yeah. after he beat Teofimo, he was hot, and then he loses to Gambosis. After, uh, after he beat Loma. Uh, Loma, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. After he beat Loma, he was hot, and... uh and then he loses to Gambosis and and then, you know, he he uh goes back and forth. He's fighting for Triller, then for the Campos fight, the money wasn't there. That didn't happen. He thought he was, you know, that was gonna be a big, big money fight for him. And then he had to go back to top rank. Uh uh, you know, and he goes back there and then he has another couple poor performances the last one a lot of people thought he lost the fight quite frankly uh against the guy who wasn't a puncher i forget his name right now but a good guy who was a good decent counter puncher experienced guy uh and a lot of people i think that was his last fight but a lot of people see if you could pull it up as i but it was on espn and a lot of people thought he lost that fight it was very close it was very close. They thought that, again, it was one of those things where the house fighter, the promoter's fighter got, you know, taken care of, so to speak. But it was close. Uh, but he hasn't looked good. And, you know, I, I think when they came out with the Monica uh, takeover, the takeover, they didn't quite take You're over. You're talking about the Sandor Martin fight uh, at MSG? Yeah, is that the yeah? Was that his last fight for Teofimo? Yeah, yeah, split decision. And yeah, they said it's it. at Madison Square Garden. I don't think they distinguish between the theater and it says Josh Taylor's at the um, Garden as well. But I'm gonna check where the tickets. Yeah, are. it was the theater. Um, so uh, he, a lot of people thought he lost that fight. Look, they came out with this big nickname, the Takeover, and like I said, it didn't quite get to the point where they they took over the sport. It is, at, it is at the theater, Teddy, and let me tell you what you can buy tickets for right now. You can get third-row tickets for $800. That's a score. Um, that's how you can usually tell. I mean, I guarantee you Spence Crawford ringside seats are going to be five to $10,000. Um, you know, you can you can still get, there's a ton of good seats available right now for this Tiafimo taylor fight, but I think Taylor has done, hasn't done himself any favors. No, no, I was well. just going to say... Out of the ring incidents, yeah, and being yeah, drunk and terrible, terrible. Look, I was gonna say Teofimo. I think you heard his brand. Um, him and his, you know, his father was involved some somewhat too, and uh, and then he he loses after he beats, you know, which was a great win against Loma, and then he loses and uh, to Campos's. Then he struggles, like I just said, after that. So. And then, as you said, Taylor too, uh, you know. So, at the end of the day, I'll just say this for that fight. The naturally more talented guy as far as pure natural talent, that would be 
Teofimo. Naturally more talented. Just by, That don't mean you're going to win. That don't mean you're going to be the better guy because that talent has to be properly developed from a technical standpoint and an emotional and mental standpoint. And I don't think it's being developed, quite frankly. I'm sorry. I tell I, Again, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, not because I'm a hater, not because of anything other than I'm going to tell the truth. And that's my responsibility to my profession, to myself, my reputation. I mean, if you don't, if you can't tell the truth, then, you know, what are you going to, I mean, what are you going to go, go around and just say convenient things depending on who's in a room? I mean, and a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. A lot of the people around fighters do that, quite frankly, to stay around the fighter, to continue getting a paycheck with the fighter. But at the end of the day, does it really serve them? Because it goes back to that old commercial I always hop on where the guy with the, with the Fram oil filter years ago and he's holding it up. He said, this is $5. You can pay for this now or you could not pay for it and later on pay $5,000 for a new engine or $10,000. What are, now it's probably $100,000 um, with the price of things nowadays. But So either way, pay me now or pay me later. Same thing. You know, right now, pay, listen to what I'm saying, listen to the truth, whoever's trying to tell it to you, or don't listen, and then you pay for it. Like, either way, pay now, correct what you're doing wrong, figure it out, or pay later. So I think as far as pure talent, Teofimo, as far as being more developed, not as much talent, but more developed technically, I would say Taylor. So... It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, and um, it'd be interesting to see Taylor's chin checked a little bit to find out really because he might have the better chin. I'm not sure he might, but I like to find out. And Teofimo can punch. Like to find out that'd be interesting because Teofimo's chin has been you know it's been touched up a little bit. You you could see that you can you know you could get to anybody, but. There's some guys that have that granite, you know, that you start to think, oh my goodness, you can't get to him, even though you eventually you can. That granite chin. Uh, and, but Teofimo hasn't shown that granite chin. But, it, you know, he's shown good heart and all that. Like, so is Taylor. It should be an inter... That's an interesting fight. That's an... For all the reasons I just laid out. And, and it's a fight of redemption for both guys in, cer in certain ways. You know, even though Taylor's not, even though some people say redemption, Teddy, Taylor has a loss. But as you touched on, his stock has dropped. Uh, some people would say he lost to Catterall, although he got the decision. Most people. They, yes. Matter of fact, fight. I said it on this air. That's I right. think I did. I think I did. So with that being said, who do you, who, who do you think's favored in this fight? Because I found this one interesting too. I'm going to look. capping perspective. Yeah, I mean. Part of me wants to say Taylor, he's undefeated still, even though he might not deserve to be. Um, uh, I'm going to say, but it's over here. It's not across the pond where Taylor's from. It's over here. I'm going to say Teofimo. 
but there it's over here but all that matters is who's promoting the fight and it's no, you're right. top rank and i think that i think that top rank is probably a little bit sick and tired of the um Tiafimo oh. and da, and uh well, that's you know, father point. and son combination so Adios. with that being said uh my bookie I'm going to say minus, I'm going to say Tiafimo go ahead minus 188 Josh Taylor the favorite plus oh. 135 on Tiafimo Lopez He's looked bad he has looked bad lately Tiafimo I get it I guess Physically they forget and emotionally Yeah I guess they forgot about Catarell with Taylor but uh, I think that Tell is a little overestimated as a fighter. I think he is. He's a little overestimated. But you could also say the same thing about Tiafimo with the way things yes. have gone, that he was overestimated. So you know what? It's a fight of redemption. It's a fight for both guys in a certain way. It's, it's, a, it's a real... It's a fight of, it's a fight of reckoning. Reckoning to, to, to see who was more real than the other one. Like the the day has come. The day of reckoning has come. You know. That's for sure. Who who was more real and who was more talk and more built up. And um we're gonna find out. It's very interesting. Very interesting fight. Yeah, let me just see. I just want to check one thing before we say goodbye. I just want to check and see if that's a pay per view fight, because for my money that's a hell of a fight. Like I'm I'm looking forward to this fight I, I, as much that's as a, any that's, fight on the calendar. That's an interesting fight. And as I said, I think Taylor's technically more buttoned up than, uh, you know, than Teofimo. And look, I don't know if Teofimo has improved mentally, emotionally, or technically from his last performance. And I, I would say he needs to. He needs and Teddy, to. that's a freebie on ESPN. Listen, that's a free fight on ESPN, but next week, this week coming up on June 3rd, the, the Lopez-Taylor fights on June 10th. But this coming weekend, uh, Adrian Broner against the dangerous Billy Hutchinson. You remember Billy Hutchinson, right, Teddy? No. Pay-per-view no, fight in Florida. Uh, you'd pay, you know, for, you'd pay, I, you'd pay gonna, to see I'm, that, right? I'm going to take a page out of my, my <laughs> friends who are a little bit rough around the collar. You know, but they're good guys. But they're a little rough around the car. I'm going to take a page from them. One of my friend Bobby. Stop! <laughs> Stop! That's exactly, that's exactly what I felt when I read it. That's what Come he said. On, my man. son Teddy listens to all the pie. He's going to love it. He loves Bobby. Stop! Come on! Come on! <laughs> Stop! Can hey, the, the best Lopez part about Taylor that, the best part about Broners, didn't he sign with Don King? I think so. Stop! <laughs> I mean, you imagine I'm that a, as a pay-per-view. I mean, come on. He signed, is, I think he crazy. signed with. Like I think he did boxing. sign with Don King. I mean, how, how long is that marriage going to land? Uh, last that that might be. There should be. My bookie should have a line on that. One fight. They make it through one fight, and they're tied up in litigation for the next six years. Either that, or one of them kills the other one. I say that in jest, obviously. Yeah, in jest, of course. <laughs> so Adrian Brown is fighting Billy Hutch. Billy Hutchinson at 20, 20, uh, 20 wins, two losses, nine KOs, uh, American kid. Uh, I don't know anything about him. How I'm old is he? I don't know. How old is, how old is he? They don't have his age listed on. <laughs> they, they oh, don't have his oh. age listed. He, oh, does, okay. he doesn't look very old unless they All use right. the picture of him from high school for box. Rec. No, I'm just saying. But um, 
I mean, but please. He, that, who, who, who's the, who made the decision to put that on pay-per-view? What pay-per-view is it on? Really? Generic paper. The old, you know that channel, PPV? <laughs> affiliated with no network. Who's going to affiliate with Adrian Broner? Hasn't he like pistol whipped two people? Every time he gets on the mic, he's talking crazy. Uh, who thinks I mean, it was crazy. a good investment business Why to to get involved and to put that on paper. I'd like to know who that is. You know why? I never want that guy running anything that I do. <laughs> I don't ever want that guy running any of my businesses. Anything. Anything. Uh, if I if I did if I decided to do a bingo game for the old ladies Sunday, I don't want him running a bingo game. How's that? I'm looking at Billy I guess I made my point. Um, record in his previous opponents. Last time out he was in tough with uh Rondale Hubert. Hubert had a record of 14, 19, and 3. Um, he's fought such killers as Justin Savvy at 31, 17, and 2. Um, you know, just basically. All right, please, a, that's a enough. Charade, stop. Again, so, as Bobby uh, would say, stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. Well, that's what we got coming up. So, um, but with that said, it's Memorial Day. I'm going to take the kids to, the, uh, to a friend's lake right now for a boat ride. Hey, listen, happy Memorial Day, everybody out there. Again, remember our veterans, uh, past and present, as you enjoy uh, the, great, the great gifts of this country uh, because of those veterans. That's God bless right. everybody. And guys, thanks for being with us. Hope everyone has a great week. We appreciate you guys, as always. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we'll be back next week with a full breakdown on the Broner pay-per-view match. Have a great week. <laughs> <time. laughs>